Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. Hey, listen, yes, we have been talking about uh, living the God life. We've been talking about what's, what's it look like inside the kingdom, what motivates us, and those types of things. Today, uh, I guess if I was going to name this, it would be motivated for ministry today. And the exciting thing about when we sang that last song, look what he's done, I was thinking to myself, I think we should say, what has he not done? I mean, what has God not done? I mean, when I look around in the congregation, when I look at each one of your lives, I know that God has done uh, miraculous and amazing things in all of your lives. And for that, we're all grateful. When we take communion, we remember that. I mean, we remember the price that he paid. Uh, Never take uh, communion flippantly. Uh, Take it as that idea of, wow, you know what? This is that reminder of not only what he's done for me, but done for all of mankind. I mean, everything he's done for you, he's done for your neighbor. You need to realize that. Everything he's done for you, he's done for every one of your family members. When we go back and just kind of look at the journey we're on uh, right now, living the God life, the first week we, in the second week, we talked about God's favor. And one of the things that we mentioned in that particular series of the the message is in in Genesis chapter 12, God talks about Abram and Abraham and and how through the lineage of Abraham that God was going to bless all the families for all the generations to come. We tied that in with Galatians chapter 3 when Paul said in verse 14 that this blessing that came uh, through the lineage of Abraham was also given to the Gentiles. And so all of us are in that same line and lineage of the blessing that God has in store for our life. We talked about the amazing favor that he has and how to gain that favor, how to walk in that favor, how to embrace the favor of God. Week three, I gave a report on Africa, the trip that we just took, and what uh, I used that message for was to show God's favor in demonstration. And all of the amazing things that God did during that, uh, that trip, and I'm telling you, uh, every day, every week after that, I, I woke up this morning to four videos uh, that somebody had just sent me about more effects and different things from God's favor in demonstration. And so it's, it's amazing that as God uh, works in and through his people, that demonstration of who he is comes alive. Last week, we talked about something that's extremely important, and that's where do you fit? Where do you fit in the idea of God's kingdom and what he wants to do in and through you? And I tried to display as clearly as possible that when you're finding your place in the kingdom, that place comes naturally as you just get out and serve him. When you get out and do uh, just the littlest thing, God uh, uh, applies and and takes you uh, through a process to get you to that ultimate place where he will use you. 
I told you that for Tammy and I, uh, the yes of just teaching high school Sunday school class is really what has brought us to where we are today. And every part of that process starts with a yes. It starts with a yes. Somebody looks at your neighbor and say, you need to say yes, hallelujah. You need to say yes to the things that God has in store for your life because he's a good God and he has a lot in store for you. Maddie, you said that I would come back and give you one more scripture. And you know what? You were so right. But I'm giving it to you right now. So we're going to just see. I'm going to pray. And while I'm praying, if you could uh, put up Mark chapter 6 and start in verse 30, if you would. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. It is the day the Lord has made. You never make a bad day. Every day you make has opportunity, it has direction, it has purpose, it has motivation, it has everything we need to complete what you've given us and assigned us to do as your children. We thank you for that. We thank you today that the motivation that you provide for ministry comes as we have looked at what you have done. The things that you've been through, how you walk life here on the earth, Lord. It's so uh, uh, such an inspiration to know that ministry comes as we go through life and we need to be prepared for those opportunities. And so, Jesus, I thank you that you showed us so clearly what that looks like in your word. And so, Father, today we open our hearts and our minds for the things of uh, the kingdom and for you to show us what we need to do. And, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We need a motivation for ministry. And the motivation for ministry in Jesus' life was is that he viewed people as people who were lost, as people who needed a shepherd, as people who needed help, as uh, people who needed something that the kingdom had to offer. We know that uh, in Mark chapter 1, we've heard that in this series, that he, come, he came to display what the kingdom was, what heaven looked like, what God looked like, and what we could have here on the earth. In Mark chapter 6, we see, uh, starting in verse 30, and I'm going to talk backwards for just a moment, uh, John the Baptist, one of Jesus' closest friends, had lost his life just in two scriptures before this. And the things that were happening in Jesus' ministry, as you're going to see, it says in verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour, and told him all that they had done and taught. They had, Jesus had sent them out to do ministry. Now they're coming back. And then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to what? Eat. See, this is what life really looks like for all of us. There's so many things happening in our lives. There's uh, emotional events that take place in all of our lives. None of you are going to escape those situations in life that just capture your emotions, crush you, uh, bring joy to you, 
they, they uh, uh, make it hard for you to think of how I'm going to get to the next moment, the next hour, the next day. But we see in all of those things that we go through in life that God is faithful, that Jesus leads us, and that the Holy Spirit empowers and inspires us. And so I say that to you because it, when we're looking at Jesus in this particular ministry opportunity here, there were a thousand things going on in him, around him, and because of him. And so when we look at verse 32, it says they left the boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But it just didn't happen because many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. And in verse 34, it says this, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. If we're going to get to the place to where we're going to be able to minister through all the challenges of life, I believe that we first have to gain some sort of compassion for people who are lost for people who are not headed in the direction that God would have them, for people who don't know about how good God is and that his favor wants to rest upon each believer's life. They don't know those things. And so they wander with like sheep without a shepherd. And the way we view these people and the, will, will determine the actions that we will take. In this situation, Jesus had a crowd of people from many cities chasing after him. And he made that observation that they are uh, leaderless. There's, there's nobody directing them in the, the way that they should go in, in the sense of what he wants them to do in his kingdom. They must have exhibited a deep desperation to find the direction that they needed for the place of life that God had for them. And I don't know about you, but I feel like every time I turn the TV on, every time I'm in a car, every time I'm doing life, every time I'm in a store, it just seems like there's people that look directionless, that they look hopeless, that they, they, they look like they're just trying to survive. And God has more for us than just the ability to survive. As a matter of fact, he says that those of us who know them, that we are more than overcomers in what? Christ Jesus. Because when Christ Jesus comes into our life, he gives us what we need to handle all the business that's in front of us, to deal with all the emotional things that are thrown at us, and he strengthens and encourages us that we could walk in the same destiny that he walked in, having compassion on the people that he loved the most. In Matthew chapter 9, and you don't have to turn there, Maddie, don't worry about it, okay? Jesus made reference to a large crowd following him as people who were weary and scattered, as if they had no direction. When we see what Jesus did, we know that what he would always do is encompass them. He would teach them. He would care for them. He would inspire them. 
And then what he would do after that, the Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verse 11, it says then he would heal them. He would take the words that he spoke and then he would make a demonstration. He would bring action to the situation where he was because he knew that once they became touched, once they had an encounter with the Most High God, that they would be in a position that they would never be the same again. How many of you realize that we are who we are in Christ because we once had an encounter that changed us for all of our lives? You know, because of the encounters that I have had with Jesus, number one, they motivate me every day. They inspire me every day. They strengthen me every day. And they give me what I need to do the next thing that God has in store for me. But even more than that, when you have an encounter with God, there's no one that can talk you out of what you've received. There's nobody who can change your mind. It's like, well, that's nonsense and that can't be true. And, and I've heard of this before and there's false teachers. And you know, what about that guy that always preaches about money? It's like, hey, you can say all of those things. I don't know. I can't give you an answer, but I can answer this, that I had an encounter with Jesus and my life has never been the same. And so when we get into that place, to where the motivation of our life comes because of the compassion that Jesus had for us, then we begin to view life and we begin to view our journey. We begin to view our destiny. We begin to see how amazing it is to have a life that's filled by walking in the kingdom of God. It was compassion that led Jesus to minister to the multitudes. Now... It was determination that was going to allow him to do what they needed next. That what, they, what, what the disciples couldn't understand at that moment. But there was, there's always more. There's always the next dimension. There's always something else right when we think yeah. that God couldn't do anything any better than what he's already done. He does something to even trump himself. Listen, my God can't help himself. He loves to bless his children. He loves to provide the power we need to do the ministry that we need because his, his compassions, they fail not. They never end. He's the same yesterday, today, and he'll be the same tomorrow. You can always count on him. Now, when we go and, and look just a little further into this particular instance, he saw the huge crowd, he stepped out of the boat, he had compassion on them, he began teaching them many things. And late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, we're looking at this situation through our natural eyes. We're looking at this situation in the only way that we understand it. And the way we understand what we see right now is it's getting late in the afternoon. We're in the middle of nowhere. We've got a huge crowd of people assembled here. And uh, it's, it's remote. It's late. And he said, they told him, send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. And Jesus said to them, no, he said, you feed them. 
He said, this crowd has been brought here for a purpose. They're like shepherds without a sheep. They're lost in wandering. They need direction. And when they have came to us, we're going to show them, teach them, and then we're going to provide for them. We're going to activate the things that we've been teaching them. And they said, well, how do you do that? I mean, how are we going to do that? How are we going to feed a crowd this side? It's going to take a massive financial investment. And, and uh, you know, how many hours is it going to take to go and pick this bread up? And Jesus says, stop. I can just see him say, slow down, slow down. He said, slow down. Look, don't tell me what you don't have. Just bring me what you got. Okay, you know, so many times when we go out to do things for the kingdom or we want to prepare or we look at ourselves in the mirror or we get a prophetic word or somebody announces a a mission trip or somebody says we're going to go do that. We think of all the things that we don't have as opposed to who is the one that's sending us to do what he's asked us to do. Listen. When it gets into the place to where Jesus speaks something to you, heaven has came to earth, and when that happens, there's an activation that takes place that no, not the gates of hell, not the enemy himself, not all the naysayers in the world can transition that purpose out of its intended destiny. And God's going to get it to happen, whether it's through you and your yes or through somebody else's yes, but he's going to make it happen. Because when ministry from heaven becomes activated, it's going to take place. When these words were breathed out of the life of the Holy Spirit into those who wrote the book, they were going to last and rest in our life to eternity. They were going to be that which inspires us. The motivation that Jesus had for this crowd came out of the compassion that he had to bring them to that place of knowing God in a higher destiny. And Jesus said, you feed them. And they said, with what? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money. We would have to work for months to earn enough money to buy the food for all of these people. And Jesus said, how much bread do you have? And he asked, and he said, go and find out. And they came back and they reported, we had five loaves of bread and two fish. And then Jesus told the disciples, just tell the people to sit down, put them in groups of 50 or 100, I don't care, 200, whatever. I'm not, I'm paraphrasing. That's, you know, because he's just trying to bring order to the situation. And then it says, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and he looked up toward heaven. And I just feel like he said, Dad, this is all we got, but you're all we need. And so, Father, I just pray right now that you show these people how good you are. You take this little bit and you make a lot. You show these guys that are walking with me. It's not about what they've earned. It's not about their money. It's not about them. It's not about what they can do. But Jesus, I mean, Father, let's show them what you and I can do. And, And then he said... Uh, Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. What do you think that looked like? What do you think that looked like? 
I mean, he, he would take that loaf of bread and break it, and he'd put it in a bucket. He'd take that same loaf and break it again. Then he'd take that same loaf and he'd break it again. He'd take that same loaf and broke it again. And, you know, I can just imagine they were like... Did you see that? Are you watching this? And then he takes that one fish. I don't know what he did. If he slapped it in his hand and another fish popped up, he slapped it in his hand and another fish popped up. And he's like, okay, now is that enough? You think that'll feed the 50? And then he broke the bread again, he broke the bread again, he broke yeah. the bread again. He said, now you take it to these, 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 you take it to these. Why? Because what he was doing, he was operating out of the compassion that he had for them, and he was going to do whatever it took to make the point that needed to be made to draw these people to a leader who could change their destiny. And he wasn't going to change it over that encounter of bread. He was going to change it because what he was teaching them was about a God who just didn't love them for the moment, but he loved them eternally. See, motivation for ministry has to come out of a deeper place of compassion in our heart. That when we look at a situation, oh, and we're going to talk about that because you know so often our schedule determines what we want to do. That's the next point. And then it says this, after they all ate as much as they wanted. This was Thanksgiving dinner. This was... Whew, you know what I'm doing? I'm loosening, I'm undoing that top button. Whew! I, I can't, baby, no, can we eat pie later? I don't even know where I'm going to put the pie. After they ate all they wanted, and afterward, it says the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. Mm. And a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed with all of those things that God had provided that had nothing to do with what the disciples had. It had everything to do with who they needed to believe in for the moment of destiny they were operating in. Listen, if, if what God wanted to do on the earth was, and he was relying on who we were or what we had, there, wasn't, there isn't anything that would get done. Why? Because we are internal beings. We look inside for how we're going to survive that day. We look inside for how that's going to take place. We wake up, wipe the sleepies in our eyes, and hope this day's not as bad as the day before, as opposed to looking at it through the eyes of the one who can make the most incredible things in life happen. One of the things I found out when I left the aircraft industry that this job was going to be extremely different than my other job. Listen, when I came into work every day at Rockwell International, I knew exactly what had to be done. I knew exactly when it needed to be done. I knew exactly who was going to do it. I knew exactly how much time it would take, no matter how much the people who worked for me told me they couldn't do it. I knew what they could do. I knew what was supposed to be done. And at 1 in the morning, I knew I had to send a load of all these corrections to the data processing center. I knew how that had to happen. But when I came into ministry, I quickly found out that my to-do list never got to done. You see, it's good to plan. It's good to 
to be aware. It's good to have a destiny. It's good to do all of those things. But most of the ministry that gets done for the Lord is done. It, it comes along as a surprise. It comes along at the most inconvenient times. It comes at the time when we're the busiest. It comes at the times when we got too much on our mind and we can't stop what we're doing because what we're doing is so important. It can't be done any other time or place. But see, the reality is, and I should have recognized this when I began reading the New Testament, that most of Jesus' ministry was never at a scheduled time or moment. It wasn't at the end at 12, 1125 when the pastor wraps up his moment and Sister Amy comes up and plays and we massage you to the front of the altar and we pray. And we pray, you know, that, that time of ministry that we've got so good at making happen. No, that's not the way it normally works in the kingdom. And that's certainly not the way. I never have read a time when Jesus gave an altar call. All I know is Jesus brought the altar and made the call out in the place that work needed to be done. See, that's one of the things, you know, when Pastor Caleb comes up here and says, you know, it's Soul Sunday. Every Sunday should be Soul Sunday, shouldn't it? But we're, we're warming you up. We're warming you up. Okay. And so when we talk about inviting people, it should be coming out of what we're doing, the motivation, the compassion that's already happening in our lives. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And listen to me. I want you to understand something. I absolutely love life in the kingdom. Listen, since I said yes to Jesus, I'm begging for a dull day. I'm begging to be bored. I, don't, I would just like one time to know what it's like to, to, to get in the middle of the day and say, gosh, I'm so bored, I don't, what am I going to do next? No, that not the way it happens and when you have a mind like mine that never shuts off it's the gosh it's a crazy life it's a great life I love doing what matters to God I love people people are what matters to God and he's given us the opportunity to live our lives in a way that we can see how important it is to throw our schedule out the window and prepare ourselves for the moment Amen? Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. I was going to make a March Madness uh, analogy, but I'm trying so hard not to just bring sports analogies into every one of my messages, but I'm telling you, man, sports analogies are amazing. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, uh, to give his life as a ransom and, and to serve many. It says in verse 46, it says this. Now, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, now, then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and the disciples left the town, similar story, a large crowd followed him. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of uh, Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people uh, yelled at him. 
But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. And so uh, they called the blind man, said, Hey, cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. And what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. Instantly he could see. Listen, this was not on Jesus' schedule. It really wasn't. He was... He was walking to another place. He was going to do something else. And even the people around the blind man said to not bother Jesus. Don't bother him. Be quiet. But no, Bartimaeus knew anointing when when it was around him. He knew hope when it came around him. He knew that this was the only chance he ever had to see again. And he wasn't going to shut up. He wasn't going to calm down. He wasn't going to give up. He was going to shout until he was heard. And guess what? He captured Jesus' attention. Why? Because Jesus' motivation is compassion. And when he saw a man who couldn't see, and Jesus knew that's not a good thing, and and so uh, what we see is is that the fact is, the Bible says when Jesus heard the the shouts, it says he stood still and he called them. He stopped what he was doing and he paid attention to the moment so many moments in our life slip by without us paying any attention to them without even realizing them without even knowing that that we just we have no idea how many ministry ops Jesus has been giving us they became his number one priority Bartimaeus was his number one priority at that moment Every other plan got put on hold. He received his sight, and then what happened? He followed him. He followed him. Why? Because he could rely on him. He could trust him. He found a leader that backed what he had to say. He found a person who could really do something that could change his destiny. Folks, People are looking more desperately than ever before for a leader they can follow, for somebody they can trust, somebody that can transition their life, somebody that can make a difference. He's still making a difference today. His name is Jesus, and he still is operating out of compassion. And he operates out of the compassion of his people. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. I want to clarify. I want to drive this point home a little bit here. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, we see that this is an 8 and 9. It's a string of healing opportunities that Jesus uh, had manifest in, in front of him. Verse 1, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. And suddenly, it happened just suddenly. It it came out of nowhere. It was something that nobody could have put in the program. It wasn't an altar call. It wasn't because anybody had been massaged by anything emotionally. But suddenly, a man with leprosy approached 
and, and approached him and knelt before him. And he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out and touched him. Verse 14, when Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, verse 26, when Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the, in the region of the Gadarenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him, and then he began to minister to them. Chapter 9, verse 1, Jesus climbed into the boat, went back across the lake and some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. He's just doing his, his life and, and somebody's taking a guy with, with, uh, 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 that's paralyzed and they're, they're carrying him. They're running after Jesus. They're trying to get this guy in front of him. When is the last time? That you were so desperate for somebody to find Jesus that you put them on a mat and you put them on your back and you carried them to church. And you said, I'm tired of hearing you complain. I can't listen to your problems any longer. I know somebody that can make a difference. I'm going to handcuff you, tie you up, throw you on my shoulder and bring you to church. And I'm going to introduce you to this guy. I want to introduce you to this guy that can change your life. Oh, we can't do that because church has order and structure and that would be out of order. Please get me out of order. We'd be glad to start worshiping at 11 o'clock because all the people that you drug in here on mats that we had to pray for them before we worship. Please, please make that happen. Verse 18, as Jesus was saying this, Jesus is right in the middle of preaching a sermon. As Jesus was saying this, the leader of the synagogue came and knelt before him. My daughter has just died. She, sorry, I know you're in the middle of your talk, but my daughter just died. But you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand on her. And Jesus and his disciples, what did they do? Let me finish. Let me finish this message because I'm the pastor. I'm so important. How dare you think that you could just bust in the middle of my message? No, he said Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. And then what's your Bible say? Mine says, and just then, just then, out of nowhere, a woman who had suffered for 12 years with a consistent bleeding came up from behind him. This, this lady sees the anointing, sees the leader, sees her only hope, sees that this is my moment. I may never get another moment like this again. He's on the way to, to raise up somebody from the dead, and she has the audacity to fight her way through the crowd and inconvenience him and touch his garment. See, let me see. Was that in the program? Sweetie, go get me the bulletin because I, I got to make sure that this is not, we can't do that right now. That's not in the program. And Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged, because your faith has made you well. He didn't say, this is not the time, you're out of order. Listen, 
Every ministry opportunity that Jesus took, it just came at inconvenient moments. Last Thursday, Tammy and I were at Lowe's. Uh, we were getting stuff, you know, in the middle of morning yard day. We had it all planned out. I got 97 things to do on that day. Uh, I got to have some materials because uh, Caleb's putting tile into my shower. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Lift your left hand up. Shake it his way. Hallelujah. And then shake it Matt's way because then he's going to finish off this. And then shake it Aaron's way because he's going to put some lights in for me. Garobo kayande. Hallelujah. But we had to, we're getting materials for him. So we got the counter dog this guy's dog bit his face off. I mean, bit him in the face. He's got, he's telling us all about this kind of thing. And there's another lady sitting in the back. She's a Mennonite woman. And she's just got the joy of the Lord all over her. And I'm listening to his story, but I'm looking at her. And God's giving me a word for this other lady. I'm like, oh, that's awful, you know. Great, you know. You take, yeah, you look awful. Yeah, you should go home and get some rest, probably. And so I didn't say that. But I'm, <laughs> Just saying, you know. you. And so I was getting ready to walk out with all the stuff. We had to hurry because Caleb was coming. We were running a little behind. And God said, no, you need to encourage this lady. So I stopped and I said, ma'am, I said, the Lord is just saying to me that where you are right now is the exact assignment that he has for you. And that smile and that peace that you have in your life you don't realize how many people are walking by you and drawing something from you because they've never smiled like that. They've had no peace and they're looking for peace and they're looking for something and you have Jesus all over you. And I want to encourage you today that God has you right where he needs. Yes. Tears just coming down her face. Yes. Man, yes. you know, you got to just stop and take the moment yes. to minister. It was totally inconvenient, wasn't on my plan. We were already late. But what, what does my schedule have to do with the reality of his desire to minister to people? What does, what does my schedule, what does my life have to do with what his purpose is? Well, it's got everything to do with it. And once you start practicing a motivation that comes out of compassion, you will start to see, your eyes will begin to open up. You will begin to see things like you've never saw yes. them before. You will begin yes. to meet needs like you've never met yes. them before. You will begin to bring hope to people yes. because people are looking for something yes. they can hang their hats on. People are looking desperately for any kind of hope that they can hold on to in this time. Listen, Life is crazy right now, but not in the kingdom. Everything's a comfortable 72 degrees in God's world. Come on now. Everything's just flowing just fine. God's got everything under control. God's going to feed the 5,000. He only needs five loaves and two fish. He's only got, he only needs what you have. And what you have is him. And when you allow him to come out on you, everything is just fine. Yeah. Just fine. Everything is just fine. Fine. Yes, Lord. 
I don't care who's invading who. I don't care who wants to call what uh, uh, this or who wants to do that or who's trying to manipulate the way you think or who's trying to separate this or who's not wanting uh, the church to meet. Or, they don't control our destiny. Our destiny is in the hands of the one who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever imagine. Motivation for ministry comes out of compassion. And that compassion brings us in to situations that are beyond our control. They're not going to fit into our neat and tidy schedule. It just doesn't work that way. We see example after example. Turn with me to Matthew chapter, uh, not Matthew, turn with me to Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read two more scriptures. And then I'm going to wrap up my part of the life in the kingdom. Paul, in the first four chapters of Romans, he's getting all kinds of different things said. He's talking about sin. He's talking about uh, different ways to find salvation. He's talking about the, the, just the condition of mankind. And then he starts chapter 5 with this word. He says, therefore. He's tying all that up, and now he's going to say what needs to be said. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Everybody just take a deep breath right now. You've been made right with God. And you, you should be motivated by the peace that he brings you. We've been made right in the sight of God by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of what? Undeserved privilege. Where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to what? Sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too. Listen to this. We can rejoice as well. When we run into problems and trials, we can rejoice. Why? Because God's got it under control. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance helps us develop strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us and because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love turn with me if you would to 1st Thessalonians 1st Thessalonians It said Timothy's given a good report on the church here in verse chapter two, verse seventeen, and uh, in verse six, verse sixteen it says, "As they try to keep us from preaching the good news of salvation to the Gentiles, by doing this they continue to pile up their sins. But the anger of God has caught up with them at last. There's going to be a day when all the people." who talk all the nonsense they talk, they're going to be held accountable for that nonsense. Dear brothers and sisters, 
after we were separated from you for a little while, Timothy and Paul couldn't be in their direct contact, uh, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. But something, somebody wanted them to be separated. We wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. There's a warfare Amen. that goes on for the value of the ministry that God has to do in people's lives. And yes, the enemy wants nothing more than to keep you separated from the people who need you the most. Now, after all, what gives us hope? Timothy's saying, after all, what really gives us hope? What really brings us joy? And what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? And this is what he says, it's you. It's you. It's you. Do you know when they're talking about the reward and a crown? That crown, we see a crown all the time. We talk about a crown of thorns that was put on Jesus' head. But in those days, when you won an athletic event, that was your trophy. They, they, they made a crown of flowers and, and ornate things, and they would put that crown on the head of the victor to demonstrate this is the one who won the event. This is the one who won the prize. We call those trophies today. And they called them rewards and crowns. And, and what made them winners, what's going to make them a winner when they stand before the Lord? It, he says, it's you. It's you, the Thessalonians, that we have led to Christ. You are our reward. Yes, you are our pride and joy. Come on now. Listen. When we get into the place where we live for the fullness of the life and the kingdom that God has brought us into, we live that fullness by accepting the opportunities that we have to bring people hope, to show them who Jesus is, and to help them identify him so that they can have everything that we have experienced ourselves. This kingdom stuff is not for us just to hold on to. This kingdom stuff is for us to pour out until we're absolutely empty and we have to crawl back to the feet of Jesus to be filled up again so we can go out and do it all again. Aren't you glad that Jesus was not only motivated by compassion, but he was not dictated by any kind of schedule of events that he had planned. He had compassion when compassion needed to be had. That's right. And I'll tell you what, if there's one thing I've learned about being a pastor in, the, in the, the kingdom of God, it's throw your schedule out the window and be prepared for the opportunities to do what God would have you to do. Would you stand with me? Father, today, I thank you for each person 
who is watching us online. I thank you for each person who's assembled here. I thank you, God, for each person who is associated with your kingdom. It is an honor to be in this place of sharing your word. It is an honor to be working towards the crown and the reward that only you can give. And I ask today, Father, that you would bring each of us to that place to where we could slow down, where we could look for the opportunities. And when the opportunities come, that we could just take what you're giving us and give what the people need at that moment. And so, Father, when we're moving into this time where, Jesus, you're recognized so completely in the Easter season, I ask, Father, that you would place a, a compassion in the hearts of each person here today, that they could take the opportunity to see somebody who needs you desperately and that they would make the opportunity to say, look, we know who can make the difference. We know who has the answers. And I want to invite you to stop being in the place you're in and be in the place of the fullness that God has in store for your life. And so, Father, today, I pray an anointing over these next two weeks when people invite people to come to church. Father, that I know that those things will bring up conversation. I know they'll bring up ministry opportunities. And I pray, God, that we hear of great things that are transpiring in the lives of the lost because the lives of us who love you are in operation through compassion to pour out what you have to offer to a lost and dying world. And so, Jesus, today, I thank you for what you've done in our lives. I thank you that you brought us into your kingdom. I thank you for the joy of the Lord. I thank you for the hope that we have confidently, as it says in Romans chapter 5, a confident hope to know that if God be for us, who can be against us? And Father, we pray all of these things in the wonderful and powerful name of my friend, Jesus. Yes. Amen. 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 Can we give the Lord a praise offering? Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.